The other day, I got a message from a friend and soon after, I got another saying, Oh, I'm sorry, I just realized it's Wednesday. For a few seconds, I didn't know what he meant. Why was he apologizing? And then it came back to me. We fell out of touch for a while. When we used to talk a lot, I used to have my writing days on Wednesdays. And I trained everyone so well not to talk to me on Wednesdays that he was even apologizing for texting me on that day. I was proud of myself. It took me many years of repetition and explaining and talking about my writing days and telling people why I hadn't replied to them on a Wednesday until they understood. But turns out that eventually they did. To the point that years later, my creative process changed, but some of my friends remembered my old rules. I thanked my friend a lot for that incredible kindness of respecting my creative space and explained that my days had changed. She messaged me anytime now and I would answer when I was not creating. Creating an impermeable membrane, protecting yourself from others, is much harder, I think than protecting yourself and your creative space from yourself. You have agency over yourself. You can change your own actions and you. Changing others, especially when you love them as they are, is much more difficult. Welcome to Creative Space Mastery Podcast, the show about how to establish a framework to get your creative practice going, bringing consistent creative productivity. I'm Tanya Crivellenti, an author who has been on the storytelling path for 20 years now, in joy and in chaos, and I'm able to be productive every week. I invite artists and all types of creators out there to hear about a practical process, metaphors and examples in order to achieve creative space mastery. The hardest part of protecting your creative space you might find is love and loved ones. The more you have of it and those, the harder it gets. And you will find they will push against you every time, for years and years sometimes. I find that there are times I think that they have understood now, that they are done with pushing back, but not. They still have something to say against my passion or my artistic decisions, but it's not out of malice or lack of love. It is for love and because they love me. Out of worry for me, lack of the ability to see it from the same perspective, with the same inspiration or the same ducks behind them. You can't blame people for pushing back, it's in everyone's nature and you must have done it to others too. In the end, you will think that the work is done and you have explained enough, your people will push against it again, or new people will. The way to work through this is to create your rules for others the same way you do it for yourself. You will explain at work that when you are in creative time, you're off work. No emails, no calls, no being on call in teams. You don't want to occupy parts of your creative juices with being on standby or secondary functions for other stuff. When my sister and I were children, we discovered very young that our large extended family had the ability of having pentalogues. We observed that on a dinner table, five conversations kept happening at the same time, 
with people cross-communication over one another. It was messy and loud and very Brazilian. Following that conversation, we realized that we could be doing one thing and having an entirely different split train wrecks in our minds simultaneously. Or let's say train thought of thought happening. We had these talks about being able to have a dialogue out loud and another conversation in our heads happening at the same time. Those facts were important discoveries for me. Because when creating, it is important to be able to free your mind to be fully engaged with a single activity without splitting yourself in another train of thought and avoiding train wrecks at any costs. You know what I mean? You don't want to be creating and be worried that the delivery you scheduled for work hasn't arrived. That niggling sensation of incompleteness that will detract from your creativity a much higher cost than you think. When you engage your creativity, you must put up hard walls to secure a state of pureness within, so you can be able to breathe freely without worries about any milk about to spill or any pending issues. That's why it is so important to protect your time from interruptions so your mind isn't sent on a sidetrack journey as you're trying to create free reign for creation. Therefore, you must impose these boundaries with love and kindness, with agreements, with bargains if you must. One of the ways I offer bargains is with my fully present heart. When I'm somewhere, I'm fully present. When I'm with my friends or family, I don't play with my phone, I'm not talking to other people, not working, not being intercepted all the time. When I'm at work, I'm very focused too. I don't play with my phone, I don't take personal phone calls, so forth, so on. Both ways, within reason of course, like a normal person, I might get a phone call here or there, or attend to an emergency, that sort of thing. But with this sort of attitude, I have an argument to ask that when I'm creating, I don't want to be interrupted, but for an exception. Generally, the idea works, the principle works. From the last episodes, we have determined that for us, Creative space is something you establish right now with whatever time you can give it, involving all activities relating to your art. It is recurring, contractual, it is an imperfect process, and it is a protected space for inspiration to come through the middle. In previous episodes, we have discussed about setting a recurring time for creating, declaring what it is that you truly want to do, bravely declaring your passion. We talked about creating with focus as a professional. Then we discussed about following the ducts of inspiration, your true views, and what it is to have chaos under management and ride the lows gracefully. We talked about the art of having fun doing whatever and how there are no limits to what you can do with that. 
We explored setting some rules for yourself to protect you from falling down some rabbit holes and losing your time unproductively. This episode, we will go further and explore how to create an impermeable membrane and protect your time from other people. If you're always present and focused on what you do, when you ask people to respect your creative time, they generally say they will. They accept your request mostly because you don't give them another option. It's a communication, not a request. When you decide that you want to create something, it's not optional. You want to do this. You decide that it becomes non-negotiable for you. You will do this. You will make it happen. You create your recurring time and people who cannot respect this important thing in your life will fall from grace in your eyes. So you don't give them any other option. You communicate what you need. You can expect resistance at the beginning and a teaching period. You will have to explain and reinforce your boundaries many times. If you're explaining to four-year-olds or someone else, pretend they are all four-year-olds. It doesn't matter if they are four, 14, or 40-year-olds. I believe there are two things at play when you say you are taking the time that they consider are theirs for you. One is a natural egocentrism. Only a few fellow artists or creators will understand and respect your creative space straight away, but they will be the great minority. This thing that happens is a possessiveness of you. They will say buts to you. But you could do this another time. But I just have this really quick question. But this is a real emergency that the cat licked the dog's mouth. But mustn't still be doing that degree you'll have to come to the beach today it is up to you to kindly push back and explain every time with patience and love until the message gets through that during creative time you are unavailable but after that you are fully at their disposal and then they will start to respect and understand it in time. And only who's in the throes of creative flow truly understands. The second resistance point that I think it's at play is a type of jealousy. A sort of, do you love this creating thing more than you love me? And they test you on it with the same buts as before. The questions they present won't differ. And the motivations will be a jumble of both on their insides, I believe. The pushback will be the same. You must be the strong one explaining that you don't love or care any less about anyone or anything than you did before. And any less that you care about the new creative thing. And that is when being fully present, fully engaged when you are with your loved ones or when you are at work might help. Because then, when you go to your me time, you can be there for yourself. And you need to take this time to love yourself and do this for you. When you get out of your creative space, you have more of yourself to love them with or be even better at your work by allowing yourself your full focus time creating the necessary boundaries you're giving yourself a breathing space 
you bring such light and life to your life that all other aspects of your life will feel it benefited from it. You just need to be aware that there will be an adjustment period, a pushback and keeping yourself kindly strong. I need to keep saying the same things over and over and over again, explaining that it doesn't mean less love for them. Rather, it is to have a space to transform that love into forms and manifestations. I dislike the taste of alcohol. I say my taste buds are five years old. They like chocolate and nothing bitter. So I haven't been an alcoholic in my life. However, the prayer the Alcoholic Anonymous use for me is one of the best I've seen in many faiths. I'm more spiritual than religious, but this prayer helps my inner creative along. I've adapted it to fit my writing soul and called it my storyteller's serenity prayer. It goes like this. May source give you grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and wisdom to distinguish one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to enlightenment and manuscript. My full adaptation is on my blog, TanyaCreations.com. You cannot change the people around you, but you can change your circumstances and remove yourself from their immediate vicinity for a little while, maybe. You must find what works for you, your family, your situation. If it is too hard, ask for help, even psychological help. Find small chunks of me time shouldn't be too hard. Or too much to ask for. If it is too hard, this might be a red flag that needs to be addressed. Remember that people around you are not obligated to know what you don't tell them, or to remember what you don't tell them enough times. Take responsibility for your own stuff. Be kind, be good humored, be persistent, and always explain so the next time they remember. Keep explaining every time. It is the repetition that will make them remember. Share your passion, results, excitement, so they are taken on the journey with you. This way they can help instead of hinder. If there are a lot of conflict, find ways to remove yourself when possible. Remove the fight out of the realm of possibility. Think of a way of becoming more water than stone. That's the way of creativity. And have the difficult conversations. To do that, find the bravery. Think of how many difficult conversations you already had in your life. Breakup, fights, things people said to you. You survived them, you can survive anything. The other day, I made a mistake at work. I had to tell my manager and my colleagues about it. I am precise and don't make too many mistakes. Telling about this mistake was hard. But when I thought about having this conversation, I realized that I remembered that I had to tell my friends, people who are family to me, that the fourth of us had died last year. That was a hard conversation. 
When I thought of that, I was able to go to a meeting with my boss and my colleagues and talk about my mistake at work easily. There weren't any serious consequences from this mistake I made. I was lucky. But even if there were, people make errors. We are human. We must accept the consequences and move on. My cousin, who was a duck adventure from the episode 4 with me, she had to tell me the hardest things over the years. It was her who told me she had seen a boy I was falling in love with kiss three girls in front of her and my sister at a party. And I was so grateful and loved her so much for doing so. She had to tell me all the harder things over the years. Her bravery in having those hard conversations gave me strength when I had to do the same for my friends. Talking about mistakes, setting boundaries for your creative life, they are not that hard by comparison, right? If you don't, you may lose yourself, lose your spot, and sometimes people lose relationships. Even their will to live if they don't impose these proper boundaries. Hard conversations are much easier than that. Don't let things get you a breaking point. Say what you need when you first need it. When you give yourself perspective, you find the strength to do what you need to prioritize and protect what is most essential, your creative spirit. As you do this consistently, all will reap the rewards. Being creative and productive gives back to the same people who at first push against it. You'll get more present and productive at work, more energetic, happier, and passionate with friends and family. Creativity is also something that starts permeating everything you do. You start finding genius solutions for small things and big things in life. You find new avenues of thought entirely. New ways of thinking, new possibilities. Start a new creative journey. I'm starting on a new creative journey myself. I have been accepted into a second year of Masters of Research this year at Macquarie Uni in Sydney, in the Faculty of Arts, obviously. The other day, I had this incredible realization. You know when you see your life coming full circle? Because I started my adult life joining a Bachelor of Dance Studies at 17, which I stopped at six months in, thinking it wasn't where I wanted to go professionally. Now it seems that I'm writing about dance, Latin dance to be precise, as a language of multicultural connection in Australia. It's what I'm going to take as my creative project, and it's going to take me to my next level. This year's Masters of Research program is a precursor to a PhD, and dancing was my start and where I'm back to. But I'm writing about dance, researching and philosophizing, and looking at it within the view of cultural and interpersonal connections. Oh, the thrill it gives me. All going well, I start on a PhD program from next year. One of the things my supervisor said was, find people at the university and people who understand what you're embarking on, because... People are going to go to you and after a while start saying, gosh, are you still doing that? 
and they don't get why you keep making the choices to prioritize the thesis, the degree, above all other things for a long time. As I decided to do this, especially not being a spring chicken, actually being a person who should be thinking of retiring, not studying things that young adults do, I have to keep answering questions filled with judgment. Judgment that is more in the tone of voice and subtle expressions most of the time, not overt. Other times I have to hear that I'm wasting my time and keep answering why I'm doing this, explaining my plans and my reasons that I do have a plan. And to me, it is beautiful and full of light and darks and brightness and inspiration. It fills me with joy and laughter. And I have started the research and I'm loving it. Even the parts that I hated before, such as the academic language and writing, but there has been a lot of poking and prodding from people I know and people I love. On top of finding the time and the funds, protecting the space, finding the energy so you can keep doing everything you have to do and still have the time and the energy for creation, there is one thing to protect. Your creative heart, beautiful creator. Your true self and creative heart. Don't let any talk, the questions, the prodding, and anyone, as well-intentioned and as realistic as they may be, get to your ducks and inspiration and choke them. Keep the lake where your ducks live free and protected from everyone. Make sure that no one can get to your belief in your right to be happy creating your thing or that time you want to dedicate for it. People, even the angry ones, the judgmental, the dismissive, most have good intent. And because of that, and because several of them, you love them, it is difficult to disregard what they are saying. Do it. Love them more because they care and they want to protect you and give you their wisdom. But ignore the parts or messages that will hurt your creativity or ability to create. Disregard only those little pieces that go forward to where your inspiration guides you. Isolate your creative self from the beautiful advice that hurts it. I sagely ignored an advice to go do something useful with my life and go study computer science or project management which would have made me wither like a flower with no water, to be reading about historical dance congresses that I was performing at. I'm reading a PhD thesis that mentions a Brazilian dance congress in 2009, and I was there on stage with Latin Dance Australia. It gives me tingles all over my body to have been at the center of a social revolution and reading about it under other people's penmanship much more than doing what others may consider useful. Why are you doing this master PhD? What will you do after? They keep asking me. They don't get it's a doing that will provide answers for me. It's what I will be doing while that matters. The transformation is the key. The fact that I cannot predict where I'll be after is the essential part. The enormous potential is the most important element here. It is for me like an open doorway, 
and I'm willing to take the steps to walk through. But because it's dark on the other side, so many are fearful for me and try to hold me back. I'm not holding back. There are stars on the other side. What are you seeing through your doorway? How can you protect your process? If you have set up a recurring time to create, declared your passion bravely, dedicated yourself professionally to this time of creation, when you follow your ducks of inspiration to know what you want to work on, during which time you manage your chaos wisely, riding the lows gracefully, and mastering the art of having fun doing whatever crap you want to do, now it's time to set up the rules to safeguard you from your rabbit holes. With these, you will be well on your way to have a space for inspiration to glide through the middle. You then found rules to safeguard you from your own rabbit holes, your time-wasting habits, and now it is time to explore setting down the boundaries for other people. Have the hard conversations over and over if necessary. With this, you will have created a realm within your life for your ducks of inspiration to flourish. Thank you for listening to Creative Space Mastery Podcast. You will find all about this discussion at creativespacemastery.com and hope to catch you at my next episode. If you like it, give the show some stars, write a review and share it with someone who could enjoy it. See you next time. Ciao! Thank you.